And Daniel was living in crazy times too. He was. And he, it's funny, uh, you know, most of, most of the young people are gone. They're off in that room over there. And so I can talk about them when they're gone. But uh, kids never think anything's crazy because they grow, this is all they know. Yeah, this is all they know. And for those of us who are older and have experienced more life, we go, this is nuts. Uh, and maybe we can connect it to other things in history or things that we've experienced and say, this is nuts. Um, but if you, you know, it's the frog in the kettle thing. If this is all you know, that it just feels normal. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you that Daniel was an old man at the time where we look at this passage that we're going to look at. And he had lived a lot of crazy life. In fact, I would say that his whole adult life was crazy. He lived in a, a different land. Uh, he went through different kings. Uh, and when I say th- there wasn't a peaceful transfer of power back in those days, um, it was upheaval, it was killing. It, he had seen a lot. And now at the end of his life, we come to Daniel chapter 9. If you want to turn there, this is the passage that we're going to be looking at today. I, I was, yeah, pastors, you know, they do what they can do, but. Sometimes you plan things and they don't go according to plan. I was planning on finishing today, chapter 9, but that's not going to happen. So we're in Daniel chapter 9, and we looked at the first section up through verse 19 uh, two weeks ago. Um, I, I still, you know, July 4th was so great. It was just so great to meet with you out at the lake and even those in here and the intimacy and be able to celebrate um, just who we are as believers in Jesus Christ and to also celebrate the blessings of living in this country. Um, Anyways, uh, Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 20. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, verse 20 down through the end of the chapter. God's word says this. Uh, When I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, uh, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for, uh, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at at the first, came to me in swift flight uh, at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, uh, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel... I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. And in the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Verse 24, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish transgression to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring an, an everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore uh, and understand that uh, from going out from the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, uh, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and a moat, but in, in, the, in a time of trouble. 
And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And it shall come with a flood. And to the end, uh, there shall be a desolations at our decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many uh, for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. God, help us now as we look to your word. I pray that you'd guard our hearts against fear. I pray that our souls would be settled because of Jesus. I pray that you would help us to understand and rejoice at your plan and look forward to the days that are to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Did you get all that? Piece of cake, right? 70, 62, one week here, half week there. You got it? Uh, This is a very difficult passage, and it's difficult for me to preach, and it's hard for me to keep track as well. Um, We will really take just a small section uh, this morning, and then we will, Lord willing, finish up next week. Why do you need to know this? Um, Well, don't ask why you would need to know this. Why would Daniel need to know this? Why would God communicate this with Daniel? even as we look at this this morning. Um, if you were here two weeks ago, we went through the first part of Daniel chapter 9, and the, the majority of that is uh, Daniel's prayer. He's just pouring out his heart, and he is confessing. He's confessing. He's, he's praying for his people. And he is, it's interesting, um, you can tell a true leader And a a true leader, not just a leader who wants to be in charge, but who loves his people and is one of them by the way he talks about them and really what he would pray for. And as you look at uh, Daniel chapter 9, you'll see his prayer is he's confessing for sins that he hadn't committed. He was confessing on behalf of his people. He was brokenhearted for the history that they had and what had gone on. Uh, really, uh, as he thought through the faithlessness of God's people, Israel. And so we come to our passage this morning, and he says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer. Uh, This is what he was doing. It was this picture that... um, we, we, uh, we see it was in the midst of him praying. Uh, he was crying out to the Lord. It interrupted, I would say, his prayer, uh, what is going to come uh, to pass that we're really going to look at. Uh, and, and as he was praying and confessing, he was asking as well. He was pleading uh, for the restoration of the holy city, of the worship of God, of his people coming back together and for things to go back. And, and I realized that um, 
we can relate to some of that. We, we can relate. If, if things have gotten worse, if things aren't the way we want, we, we cry out to the Lord, God, would you change it back? Would you change it back? Um, I want to tell you that for him, it's been about 50, 60 years at this point where things have been wrong. Maybe longer. Uh, we realize that he's uh, older, like he's an older man, and that his life was... Uh, uh, you know, his life was under captivity. And, and, and so he cries out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. And in the midst of him crying out to the Lord, it says that, that while I was speaking and praying, verse 21, um, the man Gabriel, and if you look back, he, Gabriel had come on the scene before an angel and the picture here is this, uh, probably the, the idea of the man Gabriel instead of the angel Gabriel is that he came in a physical body. He came in a physical body looking like a man. He wasn't just a, a, a cloud or a mist or something like that. He was an actual man. And so Daniel makes this picture that Gabriel, the man, the man angel came and he came for a reason. Uh, he said in the middle of verse 21, he says, whom I'd seen in a vision at, at first came to me a swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand. He made me understand speaking with me and saying, the purpose of this angelic visitation of this man, Gabriel, uh, was this, that he would understand, that he would understand. Uh, it wasn't just uh, to uh, have uh, experience, but that he was to understand that which was under not understandable, right? That Daniel was living, uh, he wasn't living as the idea of the American dream, right? You have it all, right? You, you have everything that you want. Daniel was not living that kind of life. And so as he charted really his adult history, he would have uh, been able he would have been able. I don't think he was a complainer. I don't see complaining in him. I think that even as we look at the prayer, he sees that his, him and his people deserved to be in captivity. They, they deserved it because of what they had done. And so uh, Daniel, as he uh, you know, is just in humility, crying out to the Lord in prayer, you have Gabriel coming and Gabriel coming for the purpose that he would understand understand. And so I, I would even say it like this, that what we're, what we're looking at right here is the answer to prayer, the answer to prayer that Daniel was praying. He was confessing. He was crying out to the Lord. He was pleading with the Lord. And in that he was interrupted. Uh, he was interrupted by Gabriel and Gabriel came to bring understanding of what his situation was in the future of Israel. There's something that stood out to me this week as I read over this over and over, and it, it, uh, it jumps out at me, and, and I see it in the next chapter as well. It, it a similar, uh, similar picture here. I hope you caught it as I read it. If you didn't, um, you're forgiven. Um, 
by me. No, God forgives you even more so. Uh, Verse 23, and he says, and at the beginnings uh, of your pleas for mercy, this is Gabriel speaking, I'm sorry, let's back up, 22. Oh, Daniel, I have now come out uh, to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. So I'm going to come and explain all that's gone on, these things that you have seen. And then it says this, for you are greatly loved. For you are greatly loved. Um, This, what we're looking at here is um, uh, classic and maybe most important and begins the framework and structure of end time prophecy. This is what it is, okay? But before he gives that, before he gives that, before Gabriel explains what's going to happen and how this is going to come about, he says, Daniel, you are greatly loved. You're greatly loved. And I I, I struggle with this because I go, well, um, you know, greatly loved. uh, A lot of times when I think of a a loving passage, it just talks about how much I love you, how much I care for you. And uh, the things that I appreciate about you and it's, it's, or even the things I've done for you. And, and you get to this very difficult passage of prophecy and I want to connect. I, I want to see what is the connection between Daniel saying, uh, I, you know, and, and we've looked at this before that Daniel, as he gets these visions, uh, sometimes he's sick for a long time afterwards, <laughs> Uh, sometimes he's bothered for a long time afterwards. And you say, well, how does that connect with a God who loves him so much? And I, I just want to say this. It does connect, uh, even if we don't get it. Um, you look at Daniel's life and you realize that he has uh, been faithful to God. Daniel has been faithful to God. As you chart his history, even from a youth, uh, even into his 60s when he got thrown in the lion's den, there was this faithfulness that Daniel said, I don't care what's going on, I'm going to walk with God. Uh, But more importantly, God had been faithful to Daniel. He'd been faithful to Daniel. Uh, God did not inspire Daniel to write all his failings because the book would have been much longer uh, than it is now. Uh, and he hasn't uh, uh, caused us to write down all our failings because there's not enough paper or ink, right? Um, and so, so you get this picture that uh, Daniel, Daniel loved God, but God loved Daniel. God loved Daniel. And as part of God's love for Daniel, his, his love, his commitment, his lifelong commitment to Daniel. He says, I love you. I, I wanted Gabriel to connect that for you, that I do love you. And, and why would that be important in the life of Daniel? I, I think, you know, and maybe I'm wrong on this, probably not, might be. Uh, I think one of the, the big difficulties of our inner person, our man, in our private time thinking is answering the question, does God love me? Does God love me? And we turn into three-year-olds quite a bit. Uh, None of your kids 
uh, had temper tantrums like this, or none of your kids would do this. But picture somebody else's kids uh, that you know, that uh, you're in the grocery store with them, and you go by the candy aisle, the ice cream, big bottles of soda, um, and they say, I want it. And you say, no, we're not going to get that today. And so they go, oh, game on, (laughs) game on. And so they start yelling, I want it, I want it. And they say, no, we're we're not getting it today. And the, you know, uh, uh, incident, incident and uh, aisle nine incident, you know, they're sending people over, the security's coming and your kid's flipping out. And then, and then your child's not getting what he wants. And so he goes for the jugular and he says, you don't love me. You don't love me. And as we think about this, this is the, the common theme of our hearts. That we want what we want. We want God to give it to us. And when he doesn't give it to us or not in the measure that we wanted or in the timing that he wanted or uh, according to our stipulations, right? Uh, we say, God, you don't love me. You don't love me. And I, I want us to see at the basis of this amazing prophecy that God sends an angel to tell Daniel that he's greatly loved by God. Greatly loved. Isn't that awesome? And so as we connect these prophecies, know this, know this, that these prophecies connect to his people, to Daniel's people, Uh, For those who are followers of the God of the Bible, these connect to us, what? That God loves us, that he cares for us. And so as we look at these prophecies, I want to encourage you uh, not to fear uh, unsettling future, but to be settled knowing that God's love for you is enough. And that he has, I was thinking about this. I always want to say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. That's true. He does have a plan. But really, the, uh, this passage right here, um, God's got a final chapter. God's got a final chapter. That's what I really think this is all about here uh, this morning. So here it is. Here it is. We get to verse 24. And as we look at this, I just want to uh, remember This should settle our hearts for the days to come. Not that we are in control, not that we would understand it all, but that we would know that God has a final chapter. Uh, So in the midst of this, Daniel uh, gets a message from Gabriel about um, what's going to happen in the end. Verse 24, verse 24, 70 weeks. Uh, As you look at it, it says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people, your holy city, uh, and we'll just stop there and we'll get to the things after that. Um, I want to point out to you, you, those of you who were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about the, the number seven or 70, okay, seven or 70. And really, anytime you see a seven in the scripture, you should think about these things. And what that is, it's a number of completion, a number of completion. And I've heard this for years, and it just dawned on me what, why that's great. This idea of being complete, 
How, how many of you have gone to school? How many of you have gone to school? Most of you here, you've gone to school. And you longed for what? Summer vacation. Summer vacation. Because summer vacation meant what? You were done. You were done. Christmas vacation is great too, but some lame teachers um, give you homework over that time, or maybe you have work that you didn't accomplish on regular schedule, and they graciously said you can do it on Christmas break. Um, do, do you understand why it's great summer vacation? It's obvious to us, right? You're done, right? Uh, we have other things too when it comes to school. Graduation. Graduation. Why is graduation great? Well, come on, Kevin. It's obvious why graduate. You are done. You are done. You're finished. You've completed. Uh, they give you that diploma. They, they verify that you don't have to go back anymore. It's over. This is the picture of 70 and 7s and the 70. This is the picture. Uh, we see this at the beginning of chapter 9. Um, you, you look at, uh, in verse 2, chapter 9, verse 2, um, this is speaking of, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, uh, it says, in the, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years, 70 years. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, we looked at that. That's a prophecy uh, from Jeremiah about this captivity that it was only going to last 70 years. I say only. Uh, it was good that it, uh, I say only because um, they had already gotten to like 67, 68. They were right in there. And so for Daniel, he was thinking, now when did the clock start ticking on that 70 years? And he was trying to do the math. He says, it can't be long. It can't be long. 70, 70 years. This passage says it differently, says something different. It says in verse 24, 70 weeks. Um, I, I want to tell you that the Hebrew language is different uh, than English. I, I always think it's funny. We think English is this superior language and the rest of the world goes, yeah, I learned how to speak it, but it's very confusing. Um, Hebrew is the same way for us as we look at it. Uh, and so what, what he says is 70 weeks is, is a number. And I, I want to encourage you to think through that whole idea of completion. Uh, we saw that in verse 2. We see it in other places as well. Uh, 70 times 7 in, in uh, the New Testament of forgiveness and this idea that, that we see a completion, a coming to the end, something that would be um, perfect as God intended it. But as he looked upon the captivity, he said, it won't go on forever. And I do have this last chapter. This is very important uh, to know that God has a last chapter. What if school never had summer vacation? What if you never graduated from school? There was always that next project, that next thing that was pressing upon you with deadline. And I'm with you. Uh, I, and we get that place where we will never finish. But God says to Daniel, there will be a finish. There will be a last chapter. 
I do have a time period on this. So this particular one, uh, this 70 weeks, uh, we see the words, uh, the n- number 70, and then we equate it with weeks, and so we're saying, oh, maybe a year and a half or so, right? Uh, we, we put it together in our mind, in our thinking. But the idea of 70 weeks is 77. It's really not weeks at all, but the, the as we translate it, it's 70, and a week is seven days, and so it's 70 weeks, but 77s, uh, these numbers, these numbers uh, can be equated with years or weeks. And in this situation, because of the context, we see it as 70 weeks of years. So 77s, okay, we'll get back to this in the weeks to come. But I want to give you a warning right now. I want to give you a warning. Some of you got your calculator out already, you know, you're starting to do the math and you say, once I get the math right, I'll get the date. Once I get the math right, um, I will unlock the secrets to the scripture. I want to tell you, uh, there's, um, you know what a map is? You know what a map? I mean, I'm not talking about on your phone. Some of you, yeah, I got it right on my phone. No, I'm talking about the one you can't fold very well, right? It's hard to fold. It's like, you know, and uh, I remember, uh, when I first heard of Tehachapi, I got out the, you know, and I, I looked for it, D12, you know, or wherever it was. I've never been out there. Why would people live way out there? Um, there's reasons. I didn't know them at the time. But uh, a map, a map tells you some things, but it doesn't tell you everything, right? Um, in fact, so, some, sometimes it puts topography in there. It shows you're going through mountain ranges. And that's helpful, right? Because uh, if you, especially, you know, I was coming from LA the first time I came up here. It's kind of an interesting thing because I was told that uh, Bear Valley is a beautiful place, a beautiful place. Okay, you with me? And so I, I left the uh, San Fernando Valley and I was driving up the 14 and I got to Lancaster, uh, Palmdale, Lancaster there. And, uh, you know, it was probably 180 and 60 mile an hour winds and stuff like that. Uh, a beautiful place in the mountains is Tehachapi. Huh. And then you drive the 14 freeway and I, I drove through Mojave because I didn't know there was a back way through the windmill. But I, I drove through Mojave and I saw that sign that says 20 miles to Tehachapi. And I'm thinking, Mojave, beautiful place. I don't know. Uh, But it doesn't tell you everything, right? It doesn't tell you everything. A map does not tell you everything. And I want to tell you that the scripture, the scripture is true in all that it is, all that it says. But God's intention was not to tell us everything about his end time plan. It was not to tell us. It was to give us clues. And I don't like the word clue because... Uh, you know, most of us are like, oh, it's something we just got to figure out. I think probably the best, and and I've heard clue from other um, great, great Bible preachers. I I think maybe data points is probably a better idea. It's, It's like a point that we know, and it gives us a framework, a basic, basic framework of what is to come. I want to encourage you not to use these base, this basic framework, these data points or clues as springboards to wild speculation. 
Um, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, and do, how many of you know uh, somebody's crazy ideas of the end times? How many of you have heard crazy ideas of the end times? And, and sometimes we, we get intrigued by it. And I just want to tell you, I, this is what I want you When you hear things that seem out there, always ask the question, where is that found in the scripture? And go to it and go to it and see, does this portray as this person thinks? Uh, if they're just thinking, uh, don't trust them, right? We want to follow what God has given us in his word, has given us, and know that that will be enough for us as we look. And it was enough for Daniel. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, in my growing up in college when I, you know, I was in college in 88 through a lot, many years after that. Um, but uh, I know many people thought the Antichrist was Gorbachev. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, because he had a mark, a birthmark on there. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, he's 90. Uh, in fact, uh, he, I don't know if he, I don't think he still does. People say he doesn't, but he lived up in San Francisco for quite some time. Uh, in yeah, an area there, they would always point to it as when we lived up there. Anyways, um, I don't think he's the Antichrist. Uh, I don't think Henry Kissinger, or maybe the Rothschilds, I don't know. But um, that's what I was talking about right there, okay? Wild speculation. We don't know what we're talking about, okay? We do not know. And so for us to think that we do know is foolishness, okay? Um, Anyways, so back to the passage, okay? So we have this 70 years or 70, 70 weeks 70 times seven, this picture here of, and, and what that is, what that is, we'll get into more specifics on it next week, but like what it is, is this is the all the time we have left on the clock. This is it. Till it's all done down here, this is it. Um, re- remember what I said, why is that important to Daniel? Because Daniel looks at his time on this earth and goes, my people are in a mess. We're supposed to be the chosen ones. We've been in captivity my whole life. When will this be restored? When will this be over? Well, the captivity will be over, but what about the rest? He says 70 weeks, 70 weeks. Uh, 70 weeks for what? Um, As you look at verse 24, we see this, it says, uh, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. I think that's important for you to uh, combine those. As Daniel was thinking, he was thinking about God's people, the Israelites, the holy city, Jerusalem. And he says, what about them? What, what is decreed about them? And then we go on to a list of six things that are decreed that will come to an end in this se- 70 weeks time. The first thing is this, to finish the transgression. To finish the transgression. And he says the transgression, what does that mean? Well, uh, you can say these first three categories, these three things in list are are negative things. People have said that, but really a couple of them are negative, but there's also a positive to them and things get better in the end. So anyways, 
But, but he starts out and he talks about to put an end, or I'm sorry, um, for the purpose of the finish of the transgression. You think about when, uh, the, think about the history of Israel. How would you describe the whole history of Israel? Uh, I would see it as this, God cho- choosing Israel and loving Israel and Israel failing God over and over and over again, just over and over again. And, and what you see here as you think about Israel's history and what is the purpose of this time frame, what's going to, as uh, Gabriel shares, uh, he says, to finish the transgression. The purpose of this time, is the purpose of Israel's apostasy, their wandering, their sinful wandering, they, they did it figuratively or they did it literally in the Old Testament where they wandered around and they fumbled around. And, but that's really a, a course of their history, right? Is they have been wanderers of this land chosen by God, but wandering and uh, being ones that had over and over again uh, rejected God. And I would say it this way. They were called people, but they acted like the other nations over and over and over again. And what is the purpose of these 70 years? Well, uh, to bring to conclusion, to be done with this wandering of God's people, the chosen ones. 70 weeks, it's going to happen within this time to finish the transgression. And then he says to put an end to sin. Um, we realize that, and, and I, want, I want to be as uh, clear as I can be. So to finish the transgression, the rebellion will be over with. At the end of this time, Israel will no longer uh, be back and forth with God. They will no longer be back and forth with God. The second thing, and very similar, he says, to put an end to sin, to put an end to sin. And, and what is the end to sin? You think of someone's life and their life of struggling with sin is over with at the end of their life. This is the picture, that last chapter. Well, how do we put an end to sin? Well, there's really only two ways. Through judgment or forgiveness. Judgment or forgiveness. And so as you think through what will happen, what will the conclusion be, that last chapter, it will come to a point in time where there's judgment upon those who have rejected, but really forgiveness, forgiveness and freedom, uh, a permanent forgiveness and freedom uh, in that end time as well. Which brings us to the third one. And he's going down there. He doesn't put them in a list, but we see him as a list because we're list people. Um, He says, uh, finish the transgression to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity. To atone for iniquity. When you hear that word atone, who do you think of? Jesus. That was a great great church thing right there, you know, Go back to your kids would have got that faster than you right there. Even if they didn't know what the word atone was. Jesus, we're in church. It's got to be Jesus. Uh, When you see that word atone, you think of what Christ has done. Daniel did not think of that. Do you know why? 
But they didn't know about Jesus. It was, it was kind of the thoughts and he had maybe a vague picture of what was to come and uh, that God was going to somehow take care of them. But we know, we know. And what is the point of this 70 weeks? What is coming uh, to conclusion in this 70 weeks time? To atone for iniquity. You think about what Christ is going to do for Israel, but also for the whole world. As he comes, lives a sinful life, goes to the cross, is buried, rises from the dead, wins it for all who will trust in him. He atones, he takes care of each one of those sins. And Israel had a history, a recorded history, an inspired recorded history of sinfulness. And we don't have an inspired recorded history, but just as long of a rap sheet, right? And so we look at this and we realize what is going to come to conclusion? The atonement for iniquity. I want to stop and make something clear. And I don't have all the answers this morning in in fact, I may just have a few of them. But, but know this, that and maybe others have confused you in the past and maybe um, I have confused you and I don't, I don't want to, that God has, I believe God has a special place for Israel, his people for the future. But know this, know this, only for those who have trusted in Jesus. Only for those. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says this. This Jesus, this is the preaching of the gospel. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? Uh, Rejected by you, the builders which have become uh, the cornerstone. And then he says this, verse 12. And there is salvation and no one else For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's for all. People have trusted in Christ. Doesn't matter their lineage, their upbringing, their nation of origin. Doesn't matter what they've done or what they haven't done, the good things and the bad things that they've recorded in their mind. It matters that they've trusted in Jesus and him and him alone. And so as you see this playing out in the nation of Israel and God's people and the book of Daniel and the times to come, know this, that it's all about Jesus and trusting in him, his finished work that he accomplished for us on the cross. Fourth thing he shares with us about what is gonna happen in these 70 weeks is this, he says, to, to atone for uh, iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. <laughs> Can you even imagine that? It, that seems so foreign to us. And for Daniel, it, it, you know, he was thinking about, you know, he's part of Babylon, right? Uh, talking with a brother this week and just how Babylon, even in end times, is, refers to that which is against God that which is opposed to him, that which is the evil one. And that's where Daniel lived his adult life. And for him to think about uh, him as people 
and what was going to happen and what was going to happen to come to conclusion and set in place forever is what? To bring in everlasting righteousness. Uh, He doesn't just say, oh, there's going to be some righteous things that you do. It's the the character of what's going to go on is righteousness and it will never end. Daniel was one of regime change, right? He saw things come and go. And, you know, as time goes on, the older you get, you see things come and go. And Daniel had seen it. He had seen wickedness and different kinds of wickedness and different nationalities of wickedness. And it it was just over and over again. He'd seen his people fail over and over again. But he knew this because Gabriel told him it, that uh, what was going to come in this time, it was going to bring about, it was going to establish everlasting righteousness. And Daniel probably went, for my people, Israel? can't imagine. I trust you, but I can't imagine. It'll be so different than what we experience now. Number five, he says this time, these 70 weeks, what, what is going to come about during these times? Uh, these times will seal both vision and profit. Um, as you look to the Old Testament, what, what you see is a lot of these things, especially in the book of Daniel, are visions that are things that are to come. You need to realize that they didn't have the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament because it hadn't happened yet. But they didn't have the physical things. And so God was speaking uh, visions and prophets and the prophets were recorded, but also trying to interpret even as Daniel referred back to Jeremiah. And he says, you know what's gonna happen with these, this idea of visions and prophets? No more, they're done. Why? Well, uh, because all these things are meant to encourage God's people about tomorrow, about the fear of the future, and to give that basic framework of what is to come. But now that it's been all fulfilled, there will no longer be visions and prophets. They will no longer be looking for the anointed one, hoping in restoration, the establishing of the city, dreaming of worshiping in the temple, Uh, wondering how all this is going to play out. Those days are done. Why? Because it's come to fruition and they're with uh, the Lord forever. What a beautiful thing. And then the last thing he shares with uh, Daniel about what is going to happen during these last uh, 70 weeks, this time frame, He says, and to anoint a most holy place, that the temple will be restored into a a permanent establishment of worship. Daniel longed to worship in the temple. He longed to worship in the city. He longed to be done with this sinful world. And God shared with him through Gabriel, it will one day be done. This establishing will be on. Uh, the, The rest of the chapter... It talks more about the details and we'll include 70 weeks and we'll talk about these other weeks uh, next week um, as we look at this. I want to end our time though in in God's word by um, asking what if, what if? And uh, I have three what ifs. Um, And the first one is, we talked about it in the intro. What if there was no love of God? What if there was no love of God? 
we, we see that, that God loved Daniel. He loved him. He'd been faithful to him. He, he had uh, been with him his whole life. And even in his older years, uh, he sought to encourage him through the angel Gabriel that he was loved. But what if there was no love of God? Um, that is uh, terrifying to me. It's terrifying that, it, that if there was no love of God, I, I know that many people live this way, that they have no relationship with God. They don't understand that he loves them. They don't depend on his love. And so they, they find other things. But what happens uh, when the wheels fall off the bus? What, what happens when life falls apart? What happens when governments and nations fall apart? What happens when we physically struggle? What happens when we get sick? What happens when we face death if there is no love of God? What happens when we sin over and over again and we realize we have no relationship with the only one who can love us so much to atone for those sins? What happens I want to tell you, um, that's terrifying to think about. I think often we think of God's love, like I mentioned earlier, that three-year-old that assumes that God's plans for us are without trials, without hurts, without struggles. The point of God's message to us in the scripture is that there are those things. There are difficult days. For Daniel, it was his whole adult life. But what if there was no love of God for you? Second thing I I wonder about, what if? I know this is pretty negative, but it's going to get good at the end. Uh, What if there was no end? (laughs) What if there was no end? What if this life... uh, that is feeling difficult uh, and getting worse in our minds. I think that that's the, the difficult of being older, right? You see the world getting worse. You know, the, the computers are faster. Big deal. There's more wickedness, right? Um, and and the, this picture of if things are getting worse, what if there's no end? What if there's no summer vacation or graduation? There's no sense of that this will just continue to keep getting worse. What if there's no end? That's terrifying as well. And then lastly, I would just ask this. What if there's no victorious end? What if there's no victorious end? The idea, uh, you realize that... Um, Daniel was looking forward to when the captives got set free, right? When the prisoners got out, when they were over their sentence, if you will. What if there is no victorious end? What if it's just going from one bad place to another and another and another? What if there's no victorious end? That's all the negativity I can take for today. God loves us and we know it because of Jesus. There is and will be an end by God's design. He has a final chapter. 
And Jesus will fully be victorious at that end, that final chapter. And as we have trusted in him, Jesus Christ, for our personal salvation, for those of us who have trusted in him, we will be victorious as well with him in the end. God, help us to gain encouragement as we look to your word, as we know um, as we know the future, not in a fortune-telling sort of way, not in um, um, us figuring things out, but that you have shared with us your word. God, help us to rejoice and to hold on to you in this time, in this place, knowing that you will bring this to an end, a victorious end, and that you do love us and you do care for us. God, do your work in your church. Strengthen us for these days, for these type of days. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.